following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, I was thinking earlier today about how blessed we are to be part of the church family that we're part of. Um, you know, any familiar relationship comes with uh, some good and some bad, and, and nobody's perfect. But this uh, family of churches that we're part of, our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, has sent us, uh, as of today, three wonderful guest preachers in the last couple of months. We had uh, Dominique Gilliard here for the Rethinking Incarceration event. We had Reverend Judy Howard Peterson with us on Easter, and um, you're still coming up to me every week and saying how great that was. And uh, today we have a third guest who comes from a covenant church in Minneapolis. And Kristen Throckmorton was here with us yesterday with our staff and leadership team and ministry team leaders and a couple of other people, maybe more than a couple other people, who registered to take uh, an Enneagram workshop. And Kristen is a certified Enneagram instructor and coach. And uh, so we brought her all the way from Minneapolis for that purpose, and and she agreed to preach on Sunday as part of that deal. (laughs) So we're so glad that she did. Um, And Kristen was, until recently, on staff at Genesis Covenant Church in Minneapolis, where she's from, um, which is pastored by my friend Steve Weens, one of many great colleagues I have in our denomination. But she recently stepped down from that position at Genesis so that she could make time for her growing business as an Enneagram coach and instructor. And so that's really wonderful. We're excited for her in the next phase of life where she takes this thing full-time. Very cool. So um, I'm so glad you're here with us, Kristen, today. Would you welcome Kristen to Artisan Church, and she's going to share from the Word. Good morning, Artisan. It is good to be with you. Um, As Scott said, I am from Minneapolis, and I came here to talk with you today about, or yesterday, about the Enneagram, and now today I get to preach, and that's super fun. So we are going to be talking about um, John 15, which is from your lectionary for the week, and by the way, If you like to listen to the lectionary, and yet, I mean, if you like the lectionary, but yet you don't really love to read it, um, I have somebody, I have a podcast for you. It is called On the Eighth Day, and um, just so happens that's my husband's podcast. But what he does is he reads the lectionary texts to you every week, so it's like a two-minute deal. And, um, And sometimes that can be really great as you're driving to wherever you're driving to. Anyway, so we're going to be in John 15, 9 through 17, and it reads this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that, you may, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life, one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. And I have called you, my, I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in his name. 
I'm giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. Now, John 15, let's do a little bit of a backstory here because we can hear these words and they can mean some things, but really we need a backstory. So we are going to be actually talking today about what it's like to abide in God's love as we say yes to new beginnings in our life. And as we're looking at this verse in John, you might be wondering, well, how on earth are you going to get there, Kristen? That seems funny. Um, So let's do some backstory first. John 15, it is Passover time in Jerusalem. And it is um, also right in the middle of the Last Supper. And so the disciples and Jesus are all partaking in this Last Supper. And a few verses back, or a few chapters back, Jesus has just called out Judas and has said, you are the one who will betray me. And so now go do what you've got to do. And so before we even get to John 15, Judas has left the building and has gone to do what he was going to do, which was betray Jesus. So, by the way, at Genesis, we do these things called all plays, and it is meant to be audience participation. And so what that means is that as um, it is meant to take the voice of the, the, the choir and meld it with the voice of the solo because we, I feel like getting more voices in the room is really a positive thing and good. So um, when there's an all play, please just feel free to yell out some answers. Okay? Okay. So here's your first all play question. You are the disciples, and you just saw Judas leave. You just saw Jesus point him out. Judas leaves. What are you feeling as the disciples? Confused. Say it again. Confused. Confused. Unsettled. Angry. Anger? Yes. Thank you. I would be thinking, what's happening? Why is it that all of a sudden he just, you just did that and now he just left? Now what's going to happen? Oh my goodness. So, so now Jesus has, in John 15 and in John 14, the... the um, now he needs to calm everyone down. He needs to do a little bit of reassuring here so that they so that they can trust him again or so that they can just know that things are going to be okay. But what Jesus doesn't do is Jesus doesn't say, calm down, it's going to be fine. Instead, as, as we go throughout the Gospels, we notice that Jesus says things and, and talks in ways in which can be a little bit confusing to us um, if we don't know the context to it. And he effectively is passage dropping, is what I like to say, or he's kind of name dropping. And what he's doing is he's pointing back to, to passages in the Old Testament, um, in the Torah, that, are, that these folks that he's around would have known. Just like we say, like, the apple has fallen, or what is the phrase? Now I'm forgetting. Um, something. Right, apple doesn't fall from far from the tree, thanks. And we hear that, right? And you could say, oh yeah, of course, Kristen, that's what it is. And so um, in the same way, that's kind of what Jesus is doing is he's using these old passages and these old sayings and these old um, things that people would have known and he's pointing to himself in that. And, And he's doing that all throughout the Gospels. And so here in John 15, when he says, as my father has loved you, now, and 
I'm sorry, as my Father has loved me, so I love you. Now abide in my love. He is pointing back to a specific time in Scripture, which is Genesis 22. And we will go there in just a second, but first we need to talk about love. So what is love? This is your next off play. What's love? Say it loud, loud. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's good. Baby, don't hurt me. Okay, what else? <laughs> what is love? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Trust. Trust. Forgiveness. Someone last service said a whole bunch of complex emotions. I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, it's all of those. It's this warm attachment, this enthusiasm, this devotion. It's a strong affection for another arising out of this kinship. It's a person's adoration of God. It's all of these things and much, much more. When the disciples are hearing Jesus say, as the Father has loved me, so now, and, and now I love you, now abide in my love, the disciples are being pushed back into the Torah and into Genesis 21, which, 22, which is the very first time that, that love is used in the Bible. So we are going to turn there. It's on page 15 if you are using a Bible. And it reads... And it reads this. Which, by the way, before we get there, the reason why we're going back to the first use of the word is because when we're confused about a word or a phrase or, or anything like that in the Bible, a good practice is to go back to the first time it's used because that's going to give us a really big clue as to what, what it's supposed to mean. So we're into um, Genesis 22, verse 1, and it says, After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. So the first way that love is used in the Bible, and we'll get to that other stuff in a minute farther down, but the first way that love is used is not between a man and a woman, It's not between a master and a servant. It's not even between God and a human being. And it's not between a mother and a child. It's between a father and a son, which is kind of interesting. And so let's think about this father and son for a minute. And let's think about first the father. So Father Abraham has a song. Father Abraham's many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. Maybe we've heard it. But in Genesis 22, he actually doesn't have any sons yet. He has one. And so the story of Abraham is interesting. And one thing that we can glean from the story of Abraham as a whole is that Abraham really trusted God. We see that when, Abraham, when God called Abraham out of his father's house in earlier Genesis. And what God says is, go leave your father's house and go to a land that I, God, will cause you to see. Now, back in these days, you didn't leave where you lived. You didn't leave your clan because that was your security and that was your, your, 
That was where your food came from. That was where you, where you had all of your family. That's also where your inheritance came from. And all of a sudden, God is asking Abraham, which is, this is the first time anyone has ever been asked to leave anywhere. And God is asking Abraham to go. And Abraham has two choices. He could say, "Mm mm-mm, why would I do that? Or he can say, okay, and so he goes. So we know that Abraham trusts God. God also gave Abraham um, this really cool thing. And he promised Abraham that Abraham would be the descendant of millions, hundreds, many, uncountable as many as the stars and the grains of sand on the beach. And so Abraham is holding on to this promise that God has given him. Now, also, Abraham is fully human and has control issues, just like we do probably some of us. And he likes to try to control situations. I don't know, I do at least. And um, he is getting a little bit tired of waiting for this blessing of these descendants to come to fruition. And so he takes matters into his own hands. And that's the story of Hagar. So those are some things that have happened up until Genesis 22. Also, Abraham is 100 years old. So he's been waiting a long time for this, for this promise of descendants to come about. And so in Genesis 22, what's interesting is that he hears God call him. Abraham hears God and God says, Abraham, And Abraham says, here I am. Now, this little phrase, here I am, is actually really, 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 really important. And we kind of gloss over it sometimes. And this little phrase, here I am, is translated into the Hebrew as hineni. Hineni. H-I-N-E-N-I. And this little word, hineni, is a huge arc in the Bible. And we see people in um, pretty pivotal moments of their stories saying, here I am to God, and then God pivots them into a new story. So my friend, my pastor, Steve Williams, we've already said his name, but he has a book, his name, it's called Whole, and this is what Steve writes about Hanani. Hanani is the response you give God when you want to tell him you're fully present and want to come out of hiding. You don't know where the journey will take you or even if that will, or even what that will cost you, but you want to say that you're fully present to God in a state of radical trust and vulnerability. So Abraham says, Hineni, to God. Then God says, go offer your son up as a sacrifice or as an offering to me. Here's your next outplay question. If you are Abraham... And you just said, Hineni, here I am, God, let's go. And then God says what he said. Now go offer your only son, the son you love, up to me. What would you be thinking or feeling? That's not God. Say it out loud. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is there anybody else there? Is there anybody else there? Go find a new religion. Yeah. Yeah, Abraham has these choices now. Two choices. He could say, no, find somebody else. I have been waiting for a hundred years-ish for these descendants. And now I have one. And now you want me to offer him up to you? Huh. Or he can say, okay, 
And that's what he does. Abraham goes. Now, the thing with the Hineni is that I don't think it's only for the Bible. In fact, I think that the Bible is a living representation of us in some way, not a living, a representation of our lives. And, it, it, and since we are verbs and we're moving and living beings, um, we have these options and these choices in our life to move into different ways of being too. And I think that Hineni is actually, if you can think in your head, I bet you that you can think of some times where you were going one way and all of a sudden you felt this nudge to go another way and this pivot into this crazy vulnerability and this crazy trust and you either said yes or no. You either said, here, here I am, God, let's go. Or you said, maybe not. But either way, I'm sure that you can think of some moments like that. I know that I can think of moments in my own life. And so Abraham goes. Now let's think about Isaac for a minute because Isaac is very much a part of this too. Isaac is not a baby. Isaac is weaned. He's a little bit older. He um, is old enough to walk up a mountain He's old enough to have wood on his back because Abraham has him carry the wood. Um, and he's also old enough to ask questions. And so he's asking questions on the way up the mountain, one of them being, hey, dad, where's the animal we're going to sacrifice? And Abraham has to say, probably with a really heavy heart, well, God will show us. And so here's your next all play. Isaac's probably queuing in a little bit here to what's perhaps going to happen. If you're Isaac, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are you going to do? Run. Run. Who said that? There you are. I'm going to trust my father. Those are the two choices, isn't it? You can run back down the mountain and say, this is not going to happen. Or you can trust. And you're ahead of me there, so that's great. But we're going to, and we'll get there in a second. But what he decides to do is he decides to stay and trust. Now, that's some radical trust, and that's some radical vulnerability. One from Abraham to God. God saying, do this. Abraham saying, okay, here I go. Abraham has been walking with God for many, 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 many years and has formed this trust with him. And in the same way, has understood and felt that love and that, that cared forness, feeling that God, can, that God has been giving him. And he has decided to abide in that love, to keep to that love, to hold on to that love, to be patient with that love, to know that that, that is the essence, that's the stuff, right? In the same way, Isaac has been noticing and seeing his whole life how Abraham is, is reacting and in, in, in community with God. And Isaac has been feeling this whole, his whole life the love that Abraham has for Isaac. And Isaac has been able to abide in that love, to keep to that love, to hold on to that love, be patient with it, and root down into it. And that's what it is to say, Hanani, is to say, okay, here we go. I trust you. I have a friend, her name is Sally, and Sally and I met in the baggage claim of the Minneapolis airport, and she was straight from England, and I had never met her before, and we have a mutual friend, and so this mutual friend called me up and said, hey, Sally's coming in, I know you don't know her, it's fine, um, but 
her host for the weekend can't host her anymore, so could you pick her up from the airport? Oh, and could you host her for the weekend? And so we said yes, like you do. And what happened was she got into my car and immediately, and I am not usually this forward, but immediately I was like, so when are you gonna move here? I, I don't know this person. And yet, and I, she's not, she's here for a week, okay? And, I, and here I am saying, okay, Sally, so when are you gonna move here? What I didn't know in that moment is that a few years before, she had a Hanini moment where she said, okay, God, here I am, let's go. And what that meant is that she had to leave her home and she had to get into this movement of God. And what happened was it, it, in the, and it was so vulnerable and so trusting because she was trusting her finances, where she was going to live, where she was going to stay. I mean, heck, who's going to pick her up from the airport? And, and she just has this, has had the ability to say, Hanani, and we got to say it with our arm, with our palms up, um, to, to God, and trusting that God is going to be the one providing in this radical way, this vulnerable way of, of being. And now Sally works in, she volunteers for a nonprofit in Minneapolis that works with, it's called Source, and it works with, um, with women that are getting out of the life of prostitution, and it works to end um, human trafficking. And so she, all of these dreams that she had way back when that, that she didn't know how they were going to come about, she didn't understand how, what the road was going to be to get there, her saying Hanani pivoted her into this path and now she's, she's working out some of those dreams and she's seeing some of those dreams happen in this new role and this new life that she has in Minneapolis. So let's go back to Jesus. What is Jesus talking about when he is saying, abide in my love? Remember, the disciples are freaking out. They're a little bit upset. Things are not kosher. The serene like painting of the, of the Last Supper that you, that you see, where everybody's just kind of placid and really calm. I don't think that that's really what was happening at this point. And so maybe what Jesus is saying is he's try, as he's trying to reassure his his people, his disciples, is when you're questioning what is going on, like with Abraham and Isaac, when you're questioning that, maybe start rooting yourself down into the trust and the love of the Father. Or when God is calling you into a new beginning that seems really scary and it's not at all planned out and you can't see the end of it, maybe you, you know where you've been, you can see where you are, but, and you can kind of see a little bit of your next step, but you definitely can't see the end of it, when that's, at, when that's the case, keep to or abide in the love of the Father. Abide in that love. Root yourself down deep, deep into that love. God was calling Abraham to abide in God's love. Abraham was asking Isaac to also abide in that love. And Jesus, I think, is asking the disciples at the very beginning of our passage here to also abide in his love. Because when things get tough, that's the best way to do it, is to root yourself down, even if things feel scary or vulnerable. So where are you today? Maybe you're at this threshold and of a new beginning, and you can feel that God's calling you into something that's super vulnerable, super scary, 
it takes a lot of, like maybe your, you know, the palms of your hands are starting to sweat just thinking about it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But, and you're finding, you're, you're, you're finding that you need to come out of hiding and come into this trust and into this vulnerability. Can you say Hanani? And maybe you've already said Hanani. Maybe you've already said, here I am. Maybe you're already walking in that trust and in that vulnerability and courageously going full into what God has asked you to do. And it's probably really scary. And that's okay too. And maybe you're ready for God to call you into something. Maybe you're feeling like that, come on, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But you're not yet there, but you want to. You want to say Hanani. So ask God for that. See what happens. Um, But no matter where you find yourself, May you, ab- may you abide in God's love as you walk courageously into new beginnings and moments of saying, Amen. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, so good to have you with us today. I want to invite all of us to take communion now. Artisan has an open table, which means you don't have to be a member of our church or of any church to partake of the sacrament. Uh, the requirement is really nothing more or less than being a follower of Jesus. And if you're following Jesus and seeking to walk in his way, this table is here for you. And uh, we practice it by taking a piece of the bread. Remember Christ's body, which is broken for you. Uh, We do have a gluten-free option if you like. Dip it in one of the cups. There's both wine and juice. Choose the one that's more appropriate for you. And remember Christ's blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. You can take it all as one piece right there at the table. And may it be for you the real presence, the body and blood of the Savior. May it be uh, food for your weary spiritual souls. It may be an act of oneness and unity, communion with each other and with Christians around the world. It struck me earlier today that they're taking communion at Genesis probably right now and uh, we get to share in that with them and be one with them in that way and with other Christians around the world and throughout time it's really a beautiful thing if you'd like to receive prayer there'll be a member of the prayer team at the back of the room who'd be happy to pray with you and your kids are probably ready for them to, uh, to for you to come get them in the classrooms as well so let's continue to worship God in sacrament in song and in prayer amen For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.